This is a podcast by the Business Times. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BT Mark to Market podcast. My name is Ben Paul, and I'm a senior correspondent at the Business Times. This series of podcasts, which is based on my weekly column in the Business Times, aims to provide analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Singapore. It's early in the month of September 2021, which means it was almost exactly 30 years ago that I got my first job, which was in the brokerage business. And it was almost exactly 20 years ago that I took a chance on a career change and ventured into the field of business and financial journalism. One of the many interesting aspects of these jobs has been hearing firsthand how different people choose to invest in stocks. Some people have told me they look for quick trading opportunities where they can get in and out of certain stocks, hopefully with a small gain, and avoid keeping their money tied up in the market for too long. Many people tell me they will only invest in stocks that regularly pay a dividend, and that dividend is primarily what they are after. They treat the potential rise in the market value of the stock as a bonus, rather than as something they expect to get. One woman, who was of my parents' generation, told me that her strategy was to take the advice of analysts on what stocks to own for the long term. If the stock went down after she bought it, she would cut her losses quickly. But if the stock went up, she would let it run and eventually sell just enough to get her original capital back. She told me that enabled her to sleep at night because she was effectively left holding shares that were free, as she put it, and her original capital was safe in the bank. These investing tactics and strategies are not what professional wealth advisors would tell their clients to do. The professionals usually advise investors to maintain a diversified portfolio and stay invested over the long term, which is generally a good idea. But after researching and writing about the long-term performance of the Singapore market and following the recent reporting of some of my colleagues at the Business Times, it's clear that this standard professional advice on stock investing would not have served Singapore-focused investors well, at least over the past decade. And it's understandable why many investors sometimes choose to invest in a different way. In this podcast, I will talk about the long-term performance of the Singapore market and offer some reasons for what has been weighing on investment returns. I will then offer three strategies that investors can use to beat the market going forward. Regular readers of my column in the BT, as well as listeners to this podcast series, will probably already be aware that the Singapore market has performed very poorly over the past decade, even after taking into account the relatively high dividend yields that local stocks offer. During the 10-year period to the 20th of August, the Straits Times Index climbed just 13.5%. With dividends reinvested, the STI delivered a total return of just over 60%. By comparison, the S&P 500 has climbed more than 295% and delivered a total return of nearly 384% on a dividends reinvested basis, or more than six times the STI's total return. The FTSE All World Index has climbed about 149% during the same period and delivered a total return of 220%, which was nearly four times the STI's total return. Why has the Singapore market performed so poorly over the past decade? One key reason, which we have talked about before, is that the local corporate sector has faced a very tough operating backdrop. 
For instance, technological disruption has been very tough on telecoms companies like StarHub, as well as media companies like my employer, Singapore Press Holdings. Another major negative factor for the local market has been the big slump in commodity prices over the past decade. Specifically, this has been very bad for palm oil players like Golden Agri Resources, as well as companies that support the offshore oil and gas sector like Semcorp Marine. By the way, all of these stocks, StarHub, SBH, Golden Agri, and Sam Marine were once component stocks of the STI, but they were each dropped from the STI over the last few years because their performance was just so bad. All four of them generated negative total returns over the last 10 years. The worst among them was Sam Marine, which returned minus 95%. Now, to re-emphasize the point, what these companies and many others like them have experienced over the past decade was not a cyclical downturn, but adverse structural change. The difference between these two things is that with a cyclical downturn, companies only have to keep their balance sheets liquid and ride through the storm. Whereas in the face of structural change, companies have to take drastic action to reposition themselves or even pivot to entirely new businesses. This does not happen naturally. It requires corporate boards to take action. They need to ask hard questions about the long-term viability of the company's existing business and consider if the company can even pull together the necessary resources and management talent to reposition itself. So in order to generate decent returns in the market, investors need to take an active approach to investing, which I'll talk about next. If you like what you're hearing so far, please subscribe to the BT Mark to Market podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. And now back to my analysis and insights on market trends and corporate issues in Singapore. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, the protracted underperformance of the local market would have led to the traditional buy and hold approach to investing, delivering disappointing results over the past decade. But the local market was not entirely devoid of winning stocks. During the 10-year period to the 20th of August, there were at least 28 locally listed stocks that delivered a total return exceeding the S&P 500's total return of 384%. And there were at least 61 that managed to beat the FTSE All World's total return of 220%. So clearly, a stock-picking approach is one way that a Singapore investor could have earned a decent long-term return in the local market. For instance, investors who held shares in DBS over the last 10 years would have earned a total return of about 230%, which exceeded the FTSE All World's total return. Investors who held shares in Thai Beverage over the last 10 years would have earned a total return of about 237%, also beating the FTSE All World Index. Then there's Venture Corp, which returned 357% over the last 10 years, beating even the S&P 500. Venture is a company in the tech manufacturing space, so it's harder to understand than DBS or Thai Beverage. But many local investors will be familiar with it, and they would have followed its growth and development over the last few decades. Local knowledge is important when picking stocks, and Singapore investors have a home ground advantage here. Another outperformer that most local investors can relate to is supermarket chain operator Sheng Xiong, which returned 549% over the past decade, also beating the S&P 500. Singapore's famous luxury watch retailers, the Hourglass and Cortina, have both also done well over the last 10 years. 
the Hourglass had a total return of 465%, while Cortina returned 763%, both soundly beating the S&P 500. Now, there are a few things to keep in mind when you pick stocks. Obviously, you should ensure that the company actually has a good business and that it is in good financial shape and that its shares are reasonably priced. That's very important. It's also important to ensure that you do not become overexposed to one or two of your favorite stocks. So you should decide from the outset how much exposure you want to have to a particular stock and to stocks in general. If you find that you have become overexposed to a particular stock, you should sell some of it, perhaps to buy more of another stock, or just to have some cash on hand for other opportunities. Professionals call this rebalancing. And the woman I described at the beginning of this podcast, who would take profit on her stocks so that her seed cash would not be at risk all the time, was practicing a form of rebalancing, which in my view is quite sensible. So stock picking with appropriate risk management is one way investors could have earned a decent return in the Singapore market. Another way investors could have earned a decent return is by focusing on real estate investment trusts, or REITs. This is the big success story of the local market over the last 20 years, that we have an expanding and increasingly diverse range of REITs here. And while there have been some controversies, like the collapse of Eagle Hospitality Trust and the attempted merger of Sabana REIT and ESR REIT on terms that would have been very unfair to the unit holders of Sabana REIT, by and large, the local universe of REITs has done quite well over the past decade. Let me give you some numbers. Over the 10 years to the 20th of August, the FTSE ST REIT index has climbed more than 40%. With distributions reinvested, it has delivered a total return of 152%. That's more than twice the total return of the STI. It isn't anywhere near the total return of the S&P 500 or the FTSE All World Index. But keep in mind that REITs are not stocks, in that they are designed to deliver the bulk of their return through cash payouts. Having said that, there were a few local REITs that came close to matching the S&P 500's total return of 384% over the past decade. One of them was Parkway Life REIT, which had a total return of nearly 323% over the 10-year period. There were also Maple Tree Commercial Trust, which had a total return of nearly 339%, Maple Tree Logistics Trust, which had a total return of nearly 358%, and Maple Tree Industrial Trust, which had a total return of 373%, very close to the S&P 500's total return. Of course, there were underperformers too. Capital Land Mall Trust, which recently subsumed Capital Land Commercial Trust and is now known as Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust, delivered a total return of just under 100% over the last 10 years. This trailed the FTSE ST REIT Index's total return of 152%, but it still beat the STI's total return of just over 60%. So this is the second strategy that investors could use to beat the market. If you value dividends, a portfolio of local REITs might be a better option than a stock portfolio mirroring the STI. You would still get the bulk of your total return in the form of cash distributions, but probably achieve a higher total return. A third way of approaching the local market is what I would call opportunistic trading. This is less risky than it sounds. As I mentioned earlier, a large proportion of local stocks are trading at very depressed levels because of secular trends such as tech disruption. 
the companies that choose to revive themselves through corporate restructurings or asset sales or by going private or by bringing in strategic investors could potentially deliver significant upside very quickly. In fact, some of the best performers this year were stocks that were subjects of privatization offers, including property company Top Global, safe manufacturer Dutec Holdings, and stainless steel product supplier Singi Huat. How can investors identify the next privatization target? Typically, these stocks would be trading at steep discounts to book value. They often hold hard assets like commercial real estate or public listed securities or even cash. And there is usually a dominant shareholder already holding a large stake in the company. Of course, stock prices tend to react very quickly when deals like this are announced. But companies sometimes openly declare their intention to unlock value. One example would be Capital Corp, which said last year that it had identified $17.5 billion worth of assets that could be monetized and channeled to growth initiatives. Capital has also unveiled plans to get rid of its beleaguered offshore and marine business. Another example would be City Developments, which has stated that it is planning to unlock value at its hotel property portfolio and indicated that it is planning to create a locally listed REIT that will hold commercial properties in the UK. Even when there is an immediate reaction to announced deals, the full upside is often not immediately realized. For example, when Semcorp Industries announced plans to demerge Semcorp Marine last year, its shares jumped, but the stock continued rallying after that, all the way into the first half of this year. Similarly, when Capital Land announced it would restructure itself in order to garner a better market valuation, there was an immediate step-like increase in its stock price, but the stock subsequently retraced and then climbed even higher. So there are sometimes opportunities for investors to get in even after big deals are announced. This sort of opportunistic trading isn't for everyone, of course, but value unlocking is likely to be a big theme in the local market for some time, and it makes sense for investors to try to take advantage of it. That's it for this episode of Mark to Market. You can follow my Mark to Market podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. That was an SBH podcast by The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.